Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Burdett. We are so glad that you are joining us today for what I believe is going to be a very special conversation as I'm going to be talking to a friend of Way who has been a part of our story for a long time, long before Way has even existed. And that is our friend, Jeremy Dorton. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, morning, Jordan. Morning to everybody who's listening to the Way podcast. I'm a listener also, so I'm stoked to be here this morning and uh, chatting with you. Awesome. Well, before we get into the stuff we're going to talk about today, I'm just I want to go back to a bit of the backstory of how you know uh, Pastor Chris. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited about what's going on at Way Niagara. Yeah, because like growing up. Chris was one of the guys in the local community, and in fact, he was a, a mechanic that had come to work for my brother and uh, my brother-in-law, Sean Biss, and my sister Cindy. That's if you know Sean and Cindy Biss from Sean's Auto. That's my sister, and so I knew Chris as you know, <laughs> as they say, the grease monkey <laughs> in the auto mechanic shop. Um, but it was it was always cool because I'd go over in his quiet manner and hey, Chris, how you doing? And, and uh, he'd always end up telling me something that's going on. Oh, check out this church plant or look, look at what's going on over here. And uh, we'd look at the mechanic stuff, but we'd always end up talking about Jesus. So that's how I knew Chris growing up. And and uh, he was getting into more worship stuff. And I, I met his brother, AJ. And they're just, you know, members of the same community as me growing up. So it's really cool to see that he and you, Jordan and Steve, are a part of planting churches because that's that's a big part of my life right now as well is planting churches. So we've all kind of come to the same place. It's really cool. And then, yeah, and then we found out that you and I have some shared history at a church as well, you know, quite some time ago also. Yeah. Um, and so it's just kind of cool when all the dots connected, yeah. how, you know, God, God knows who we need in our lives. Absolutely. And yep. so, yeah, you may have went to Chris as a mechanic at first, but now you're a bigger part of, of our story. And that's that's awesome. And so why don't you introduce me to your family, um, to your wife, um, how many kids you have? Um, just about your your family. Ah, sure, sure. Yeah, it was kind of fun. So like back in the day um, when I was just a young guy, I was uh I was invited to come up to this worship night in Kitchener. Well, like I was really young. I was 14. And at the time, the lady who's now my wife was only 12. And um, my mom, my mom heard about this, this worship event that was way ahead of its time. It's pretty common to have worship events now, but in like 1994, 95, that was kind of unique. And so we booked it all the way up to Kitchener and we went to this thing called Sunday Night Live. And uh, it was like 45 minutes of worship and 45 minutes of preaching. And that's where I met Catherine, this this young lady. And I like, oh, wow. I thought, man, she's really nice. But I was really shy, you know. And uh, but then the next month I came up, I'm like, ooh, my heart got Twitter baited. What happened there? And uh, and then she was going through some really difficult stuff, like some of the most difficult stuff you could imagine a young lady going through in life. And uh, I just kind of loved on her. I had compassion for people. It's how God made me. And um, and we just tracked together through the years of this this uh, Sunday Night Live thing, this worship event. I joke that we didn't actually see each other because we always had our our eyes closed in worship and then uh and we learned together how to oh scary raise your hands for worship you know like we discovered worship together and and uh when i was 17 i, I god called me i left on a one-year mission to mali west africa and i found myself in a society that was 98 percent muslim 
and 1% Christian in the middle of West Africa literally had to build a hut and sleep on the dirt on the edge of the Sahara Desert, on the edge of the Niger River, and proclaim Jesus to people who didn't speak our language. It was insane. But during the course of that mission, I managed to get 32 handwritten letters back across. Now I'm sounding like an old part because emails didn't exist, text didn't exist, all that stuff. Well, in fact, I lied. I sent my very first ever email from Mali, West Africa. And guess who I sent it to? It was that girl, Catherine, who became my wife. So we were married, uh, engaged at 17, not recommended for most people, but engaged at 17, married at 19. And then uh, before we were married, God spoke to me and clearly said, you will not have children of your own. I thought, oh man, the number one thing Catherine wanted to do in life. You ask her, what do you want to do when you grow up? Be a mom. What kind of car do you want to drive? A van, fill it with kids. It was just her call in life. Hey, well, I shared with her even before we were married, God said, we're not going to have our own kids. Tears streaming down her face. She said, God told me the same. Ah, but we got married and uh, we had fun trying <laughs> for five years, trying to make babies, but it did not happen. Not a single pregnancy, but God put in our hearts. We intended, even before we knew that we wouldn't have kids, we sense God say that you will adopt one day. So it was always our intention to adopt whether we had five of our own or not. And um, yeah, so people ask me, how many kids do you have? And they're like, well, that's a long answer, but I'll, I'll summarize it because we've got a short podcast here. But we adopted our first child from uh, Calgary, Alberta. He was half black, half white, cocaine addicted at birth and paralyzed on the left side. And uh, in fact, there was one other child offered to us before our son Micah came along and God said, no, we actually had to turn down our first adoption only on God speaking to us. It was crazy, super painful, difficult. But then uh, anyway, we ended up adopting Micah, got him at nine weeks of age and God has totally healed him from any physical disabilities or anything like that. And he's doing great now. He's a college student at Conestoga College. And, um, and then we had the opportunity to help out two boys from Congo, Africa, who came with an older sister and uh, we were pastoring a church. We were sponsoring these kids, but the, the, the older sister from, from, from Africa was neglecting and abusing these boys. And they came here and we just said, look, these kids are going to go into social services. They just came out of a refugee camp. They lost their parents. They've been through hell and back with war. Let's just take them in. And uh, it was Bit of a story, but yeah, one hour later after making this decision, we signed legal guardianship orders with the uh, Multicultural Council of Saskatchewan, and we ended up adopting two boys from Congo, Africa, who were 15 and 16 at the time. So it's kind of crazy. I'm 45, and my oldest son is 35. <laughs> and my second oldest son just produced our first grandchild, so we got a new baby grandson named Enoch. And uh, anyway, and then in our adoption story, we adopted one more was a beautiful little girl. Uh, she is Cree First Nations uh, Aboriginal or Indigenous from Saskatchewan. And her name is Genoa and she's 19. She's doing awesome. Also a Con Conestoga College student. And then, um, yeah, so we adopted four kids. We ended up raising about mm, 15 other kids. We had one kid who stayed with us for six years from South Korea when he came at nine. We raised him for a family, a family from China sent their daughter here, Japan. We've had uh, about 20 kids come through our home in the years, ranging from, you know, six year homestays to down to one year at a time. So our house is always full. So that's a bit about the Dorton plan.
Yeah, it's really fascinating because it's definitely a calling. Yes. Like, I don't know another person that has found themselves in that kind of situation. And, but it's just amazing because I, I didn't really know too much about your story in that way when you first told me that you were going to be a grandfather. Yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> are you a bit young for that? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that is just so cool how, you know, what would be a really painful thing of not being able to have your own children physically actually turned into a part of God's calling. Like that's really, really special. Yeah. You know, and um, the, the thing that just popped in my spirit for your listeners as well is there are going to be times in life where God calls you to do something that actually makes your life rather uncomfortable, but it's actually his call. You know, it's not that everything that we step into is going to make our lives more comfortable. So in my case, I really felt called to be like a long-term resident missionary in Africa. And um, and then I came to this decision point where where God said, choose. Either you're going to go be a long-term resident missionary in Africa or, or you follow that call that you're sensing to marry Catherine. And Catherine's very sick. Some of the reasons why we couldn't uh, bear our own children was because of multiple illnesses that are in my wife's body that she carries to this day. And I knew that if I married her, I would forfeit that lifelong mission on the mission field. Uh, but see, this is how God works all things together. Uh, it hasn't always been easy. There's been lots of time in the hospital and keeping my wife alive, quite frankly. But yet, instead of going to the nations, God ended up bringing the nations to us and filled our home. Chinese, South Korean, Japanese, uh, you know, uh, the indigenous, like uh, all these people, all these kids entrusted to us and our lives have been so rich. And then out of that, we ended up uh, leaving formal traditional pastoring and planting uh, uh, or establishing a church planting missionary organization. And we still get to take the gospel to the nations, perhaps even bigger than I could have if I was that long term resident missionary in one country. It's, it's, That's it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, exactly. It's it really amazing. is. And like everything, every time I'm, I'm seeing what you're posting on Facebook and stuff, I see that you're in another country or <laughs> you're doing something, which I think your schedule makes me want to take a nap. But, <laughs> but um, I am curious, how many countries have you been to? Yeah, my last uh, trip allowed me to clock my uh 36th and 37th countries that i've been able to work in so far amazing amazing <laughs> and that's not like including like some european tour where you get to nine countries in an afternoon i'm talking uh you know church planting work missionary service in 37 countries it's just incredible praise be to god that is amazing now one thing that i keep on hearing in your story jeremy is the whole idea of god speaking mm. God told me that I'm not going to have, you know, children biologically. You know, I just feel God said, no, you're not going to take this kid. You're going to have this kid. Tell me a bit about your journey of actually hearing God's voice and like being able to tell the difference between what you're thinking mm -hmm. and what God is saying to you. Yeah. Tremendous. That is a lifelong skill. I think that God calls each of us uh, to acquire. You know, Jesus said it himself. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And, and he knows us, right? Jesus is the one who's willing to go after that one sheep that goes astray. And, and that sheep, even that sheep who went astray, 
heard the voice of the shepherd, like, come on, where are you? Although that might be a metaphor that Jesus was using. Even the sheep that went astray can hear God's voice. And the reality is that all of us can hear the voice of God. And now it's, it's God speaks in so many different ways. And this is actually one of the things that we teach on in our ministry is hearing God's voice. And we'd be happy to bring some of that teaching to the way and do some exercises to help help some of your people um, start to hear the voice of God for the first time. But sometimes there's just this, this, you know, as some would just say to make it a simple term, like this gut feeling. And you got this sense within you that ah, maybe I should do this. Well, sometimes that's not just like your conscience speaking or uh, just some random gut feeling. It's actually that's you start to hear you realize, oh, that's actually the spirit of God speaking to me. And then wait, that thing, that thing isn't going away. There's there's times where I I thought I sent something and I'm like, mm, well, I, God, I'm going to give that to you. And if that thing comes up in my mind again today or tomorrow or whatever it is, um, yeah, maybe I'm going to lean into that a little bit. And, and sometimes it's those little things that God uses to speak to us. And other times, you know, the, the scripture will pop out and you're just like, oh, there's this verse that has just totally speaks into this situation. And um, I'm not suggesting Bible roulette. I don't know if any of you have done Bible roulette. God, I need a sign. And you flip open to whatever random page and this verse <laughs> and jumps off the page. But no, yeah. the truth of the matter is God is speaking to us way more than we ever knew and like if we tune our ears and start to realize and and there's little exercises again uh we can bring this to the church but little exercises you can do ask god for like a picture and he'll give you a little picture in your mind and and then uh and, and you realize oh that is really applicable to this person's life and and now in our ministry that like, we do a lot of outreach on the streets like we're we're the we're the bold people who go out and literally walk the parks intentionally to pray over people and such we'll ask god Oh God, is there some pain in their body or something that's going on? Um, that if, if you would just speak to us a little bit, that could be a real key into this person's life. And uh, sometimes you actually even feel a physical manifestation of pain. Now I'm getting into the theology of healing, but you know, you're like, okay, in your spirit, you're like, hey, God, is there something going on with this person? Oh, gee, you, you get a, a little twinge in your right shoulder or something. And we test that out. We've learned that sometimes it's the voice of the spirit. And so we'll ask the person, hey, I, I know this might seem strange. We're not like getting overbearing or anything. I know this might be a strange question, but do, do you have a problem with your right shoulder? And sometimes they're like, no. And then you're like, oh, sorry, I didn't quite hear you, Lord. And then, yeah. but, but then there's a number of times where they're like, gee, yeah, how did you know? Like, oh, I, I, I just sense that God told me that and that I should pray for you. And then we'll, we'll pray for them right there. Well, if they're comfortable, we'll lay hands on that shoulder. We'll pray. And... There are times, I don't want to say every time, I don't want to say many times, but at times, then God heals the person on the spot. And we just rejoice when that happens, because then when you, you've heard now from God, you prayed for them, they get a bit of a healing. Also, now they're open to hearing the good news of Jesus, and they want to have a conversation about faith. They're like, what's the deal? Are you some mystic? Are you a spiritualist or something? We're like, no, that wasn't me. That was Jesus. And uh, can, can I tell you a bit about Jesus? So anyway, that's a bit of our journey about hearing God's voice. I love it because I've had moments like that, like in significant moments and also in maybe some smaller things. Like I remember the, the example that's coming up um, doesn't maybe feel super significant, but it was very clear. And that's why I choose this story is that my family was planning a trip to Europe together 
for June of 2020. So because we have a family member that lives in Greece. And so we were going to do a big family event in Greece. And so everybody was starting to buy their tickets. And this is around February of 2020. And I really wanted to go. Like, I've been there before. I love to travel. I really wanted to go. But I just felt, God tell me, you're not going. And so I emailed the family. And and these are individuals that are not following Jesus. And so I just said, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I just can't go on the trip. And then two weeks later, the world shut down. So whether I bought the ticket or not, I wasn't going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it was just that that little warning from God, like, no, 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 you're not going. Just so you know. <laughs> and and so it, that wasn't earth shattering in any sense. But sometimes when you're when you try to be in tune and listen to those those promptings, it might seem a little bit unusual. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we're not talking about getting new revelation about scripture or no. or new interpretations like that. That is not what we're talking about here. But to be able to hear the voice of God and say, "Yeah, no, you're you're not going on that trip." Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm not going." Yeah, and you know, and that brings a thought too, Jordan. Like sometimes it's also in the council of witness. Like if um, like people around you. Uh, sometimes you're going to send something and you're like, I don't know. Seek the counsel of your leadership. Talk to Pastor Chris. Talk to Jordan and and Steve. I don't know if you guys are called pastor in your church or yep. what. Like, yeah, okay, good. Talk to the pastors. Talk to the elders, the leaders of your church, and ask them and test if what you're hearing is is right or not. Um, it reminds me of a trip that I, I I signed up. I committed to go. This is before we planted our our current ministry called E3, and I was to go to Indonesia. And uh, teach at a, a seminary for a month, which was like, oh, my goodness, I felt like I was way in over my head. Who's inviting me to teach at a seminary? But my goodness, you know, um, and uh, I committed to it. And I was three months after the date of commitment to it. And it was still months before the trip. And my wife came to me and she just she had mentioned it a couple of times. And then this day she comes to me and she has tears in her eyes. And she says, I simply do not have peace from God that you are to go. And um yeah, okay. I literally wept before God because I, I had such a desire to go to Indonesia, to that part of the world, to speak to, you know, the largest Muslim country on the planet and uh, to equip believers there. I cried. I wept over this, but I had to shut down that trip. And would you know what? That was 2001. You know what happened in that year? Mm -hmm. Tsunami that ripped through that part of the world. And there's a very good chance I might not have made it out. And God spared me in that. And so it wasn't, I did not have the clear sense that I shouldn't go, but somebody else spoke into my life and I was willing to have mutual submission. That's just a part of the Christian life is we do this thing together. Every day that we wake up, we can make a choice. Now, this sounds kind of harsh, but we can walk in the flesh, like make decisions on our own. It doesn't mean that you're making bad decisions or immoral decisions, but every day we have a choice. Am I going to make this decision on my own in my own strength? Or am I going to ask God, hey, God, what's what's your plan in this? And then we try to hear the voice of God and make our discernment through the things that he speaks to us or through others. And that's just that's, a part of the Christian growth. And absolutely. And I'll just say to our listeners, yeah, if you want to talk to one of our pastors, reach out to us um, either at podcast at wayneiger.ca 
or to um, find us at a gathering, we would be honored to be able to walk through um, those kinds of conversations with you. That's what we're here for. And so please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And um, you've mentioned your ministry, E3, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But you are also the executive director of Anchor Ministerial Fellowship. And that is the group that um, Chris is ordained with and uh, Steve and I have licenses with. And so we're all a part of the Anchor family together. And and I'll just say this publicly. I was going through some health issues earlier this year, and it was probably one of the worst days of my life mm. when Jeremy called me and said that I was accepted into the Anchor family for a license. And so mm. one of the worst days became a milestone day. And so thank you for being a part of my story in that in that yeah. season. And I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow for an event with Anchor. So that's awesome. And so tell me a little bit about kind of your experience of Anchor, how you got in, and then how you ended up, because you already had a full-time job, as we're going to talk about. How did you end up in this other role of executive director with Anchor? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Jordan. I, I had no clue about that day. I remember calling you, but I had no clue what you were going through. And that makes me emotional. It gets my... Uh, Gets my faith up that I'm doing the right thing. So yeah, Anchor Ministerial Fellowship. It's uh, it's a fellowship of of ministers, people who are intentionally doing the work of God. So whether they're actually a pastor or a missionary or a chaplain, um, people who want to place themselves in that position of doing the work of God as ministers. Um, we've even got one guy who called me up. He says, "I'm uh, I'm a firefighter, but." I'm not the official chaplain, but everybody sees me as their chaplain because I minister to them every day. I talk to people about Jesus, like in our fire hall and stuff. If I got credentialed with you and hold license with you, that would give me credibility to them. I don't need the title, but it would give me credibility and maybe give me new inroads. And uh, so we licensed him. And then just recently we, uh, we went through uh, his ordination interview and now he's going to become after a number of years, he's going to become an ordained minister. So, so anyway, Anchor is like 53 years old, and back in the day, it used to be this thing for these pastors who are independent, and they send in some money and fill in the form, and they would get a license. Well, we've decided to build it into a real fellowship. So Anchor Ministerial Fellowship now, um, man, it was it was just a year and a half ago that I, I came to that role, and at that time, we were 154 members, and today we're 182 uh, so there's a lot of growth that's happening there. And really, I brought one or two or three people to to bring that growth. But then it's guys like like you, like Chris Dowley sharing the word and Jordan joining us and Steve joining us and others. And there's other you know younger leadership coming into the organization. But at the end of the day, Anchor Ministerial is just helping people like your pastors to fulfill their calling. Um if you're not a part of like a structured denomination like the, the Canadian Baptist, Baptists of Ontario and Quebec or the Pentecostal Association of Canada or something like that, if it, if that ministry doesn't fit that denominational box, our pastor, these pastors still need care and cover and, and, and spiritual accountability and credibility with the government and license. And so that's what we provide at Anchor. So I was ordained by them in 2014. Um, I left my pastorate in Western Canada. My wife was clinging on to life. She was given three months to live at this point. 
And uh, I have four newly adopted kids at home and a Japanese student. So I have five kids and a dying wife. And I'm like, what in the world do I do? And I felt a release of God. Um, we hung on as long as we could. And then finally, again, we heard the voice of God say, no, we're done. And so we left our pastorate. I literally, literally had no clue what I was going to do next. And uh, in the process of leaving Saskatchewan, we met this farmer turned inventor who had heard about this work of E3. So I'm kind of splitting my story here now. And uh, E3 was already existing in the States. And this farmer guy said, wow, that ministry is so effective. We have to bring it to Canada. And so this farmer says, okay, hey, Jeremy, I sense the call of God that you're the guy to lead this thing. So we come back to Ontario trying to keep my wife alive. Where we've got this idea of starting this church planting mission called E3, but I had no credibility or credentials. And so I started my credential process through uh, the Brethren in Christ Church. And I went through all their studies and courses and I got my credentials. But then God called me to leave a church three years later and go help another church. Oh, shoot. It's not in the same denomination. I lost my credentials. Now I had to go and redo all my credentials with the new denomination. So I went and redid all my credentials. Uh, and then God called me to serve in another church. And it was a different denomination. I said, this is ridiculous. I have to redo my credentials every time I move? No. And so I, I, I looked, uh, did some searching, and that's where I found Anchor Ministerial Fellowship. So it's a place for people who aren't kind of denominationally bound and enables them to do their ministry. So I became ordained with, with Anchor in 2014. And just then, E3 Canada was really launching. My missionary career was launching. And now I had my credentials and I could, you know, be verified to do the work that I needed to do in Canada. That's really great. And then how did you end up in the executive director role? Oh, yeah. So what ended up happening is like, I got ordained with Anchor. And then um, I... I I put up my hand. Somebody said, would you, would you be on the board? I've never been a board member before, never been an elder. I've been a pastor, but I've never done some of these other roles, which often you think might be stepping stones. But anyway, I got voted onto the board. I, I was really surprised by that um, because it meant that somebody else who was, who was on that board, everybody at Anchor loves being on the board of directors. You'd think, oh, board meetings are boring. No, we love the fellowship of Anchor so much that it was, it was really upsetting that somebody got voted off the board and I got voted in. And uh, so I was super humbled by that. But then all the stuff I was doing with E3, I'm learning new things, building systems, and how do we help missionaries do their work and all this. So I started I started helping Anchor grow with some of their systems and um, administration. And so then they asked me, would you be our, like, you're doing so much work for Anchor for free. Um, look, guys, I, Jordan hinted to this. I love working. Um, I am actually ADHD. <laughs> And God uses that for its glory. A lot of people need rest and kick it back and sit on a beach or on a pool chair or something for hours. I just can't do it. Um, I love to work and serve. So so by day, I do my missionary work. But with in the evening, I was, I was helping anchor and growing their systems and growing their fellowship and thinking about marketing and all these things. So they asked me to be their chief admin officer and compensate me, you know, eight hours a week or something. So I took this on in my spare time, sort of, uh, you know, my full-time job was now E3. And then I was tithing my time to the Lord and doing anchor in the in the evening. And then, um, wow, things really started to shake up and shape up. And we were looking at the future of anchor and and the board. So we started looking at if this organization is going to grow across the country, it's going to need somebody to really champion it. And so they said, hey, Jared, would you be our full time executive director? And um, I, I didn't stop to hear the voice of God in that one because I already knew the answer. And I, I, I laughed, actually. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
No, I'm entirely called of God to do this work in E3. I, I, if you need a full-time guy to run Anchor, it's not me. Oh, okay. So then I thought, hey, my time at Anchor is going to be done on any board or anything, and I'm just going to be a member because they're going to hire someone. Well, then the board came back and said, hey, would you be our halftime executive director? I'm like, oh, man, I hadn't thought of that. And then I said, wait a second, is, is halftime equal time? Does that mean I have to cut off half of what I'm doing in the church planting world of E3? Because the answer is no. I'm called to be a church planter, but I can I can help anchor where I can. And so what we ended up coming up with is this idea of a fractional leadership model. So I became executive director of Anchor, um, and we don't clock my hours or my time, uh, but I hired the right person who's working in the Anchor office. And uh, all throughout my day, we're pinging, things are happening. I, I feel like I'm an orchestra conductor. I'm doing my work with E3. I got 30 missionaries across the country over here. On the Anchor side, we have 182 uh, licensed and credentialed ministers. And I'm kind of like, I'm the orchestra conductor who's just encouraging this incredible symphony. I'm not the guy who's making the amazing music. I'm just the guy at the background, encouraging them on, waving the baton, spurring them on to some amazing things. So so, uh, so now at this point, yeah, I lead two not-for-profit charities, which is way beyond anything I ever expected God to have me do. I'm leading a church planting organization and a credentialing body. And uh, every day is, is a crazy adventure with God. And it's cool that at the Anchor Conference, I was interacting with some of your your uh, people from E3 as well. So mm. there's even becoming a bit of synergy between those two yeah. organizations. Yeah, and this is the thing. Some people, in a healthy way, were challenging me and critiquing me and saying, Dorton, you're nuts. You're going to overextend yourself. And, and maybe I have. And, and then you make adjustments in life. But the way I'm looking at this um in in e3 if, if we can talk e3 for a minute yeah um, the work of e3 it stands for this equipping people to do the work of evangelism and then establishing churches so our heart is it comes out of acts 19 chapter 10 it talks about uh, this idea of no place left um the apostle paul was going all around the then known world in the region of asia and it says that at one point the gospel had spread so far that there was no place left where the gospel hadn't been preached and yet here we are in 2023, almost 2024, and there's 3 billion people on the planet who haven't heard the name of Jesus. And we're recording a podcast via Zoom, which could literally, from a technological point of view, be beamed anywhere on the planet at any time. So how is it? How is it that in 2023, 3 billion people haven't even heard the name of Jesus? That blows my mind because in Acts 19, it's saying... The then known world, every person had heard. So how did we get so far away from gospel proclamation? So what I'm called to do is raise up people. Like I, I'm not talking vocational missionaries. I'm talking you in, in the pew or you who are listening to this podcast. We want to help equip you. We want to train you in very simple little tools on how to share your testimony, how to share like what God's done in your life. And then we want to teach you how to like share the gospel in three minutes or less. So that when you're at a park, when you're at the giant tiger in Smithville <laughs> and a great conversation sparks, uh, it, all of a sudden something, your heart starts beating. You're like, I think I'm supposed to tell them about Jesus, but I don't know how. That's what we want to do. We want to answer the how. We want to teach you some simple tools on how to share your faith. And so um, what, what ends up happening, though, is some people get so involved in this, eventually they become my staff. They, they quit their job as a carpenter or, or as a mechanic, and they become full-time church planters with E3. But then they need credentials. They need a license. They become clergy. 
And so that's, it's sort of like the globe on the left hand. And that's why I got involved in anchor. It's because I'm, I'm producing these missionaries. Our, our ministry is, but they need, they need the anchor ministerial fellowship of the world to help give them that license and credibility. We don't need those titles or credibility. Not one of us does at E3, but we go into nations around the world. We showed up in Pakistan recently. I showed up in Dubai recently in a Muslim country to hold a conference with 100 120 delegates from 30 countries. How do I do that in a Muslim society? Well, my credentials help. I can say, yes, I'm an ordained minister of the gospel. This is my organization that's behind me. And they're going, okay, well, we'll allow you to do this in this region. That, uh, that credentialing is really important for some nations around the world. Yeah, and, and even at home, like I've been asked why I pursued this. Hmm. And it was largely the same the same reason, like it wasn't about doing weddings, right? If in kind of the legal things of that, it was about being able to say that there is another body of people that recognizes the gifting and the calling of God and is willing to lend credibility to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hearing you saying. Like, yeah, and it's not about the title. I'm not running around, you know, saying that kind of thing. But when needed, then I can say, look, I have this body, this organization that is willing to say that I'm a credible person to to serve. Yep, absolutely. And even like I'm looking into, I live in Niagara region. I'm looking into what it's, you know, the process of being able to visit people in the hospital as a pastor. And they're asking, okay, well, who is sending you? Yeah, for sure. And, and actually, that's, so, that's that's one of the benefits of being a, a licensed minister with Anchor, because you get that clergy card, and it will state right on there. And, and, and so in case you haven't tried that yet, you yep. can use that card, Pastor Jordan. And actually, I have gone in, I went in the middle of COVID when nobody else could get into the hospitals. I flashed my clergy card and I was able to go directly into the ICU and minister to people. It was crazy. And so that is the, that's the point of this is it's, it's not about giving ourselves titles and patting ourselves on the back. It's about being able to serve and to have, just to have inroads to serve people. That is the whole reason that we are doing this. And that is, so that is why, and I think that's really cool that you share that as well. Like I've talked to other pastors that have had similar experiences of being able to get into ICUs during COVID and like all of those kinds of things. And so on to E3 a bit more specifically, because I really love what you guys are doing there. And for our listeners that are not too familiar with E3, you may have heard of the I am second campaign um, and videos and all of that. And that is actually part of the E3 kind of family of ministries. Now, did they start in the U.S.? Yeah, exactly. So E3 Partners Ministry is our parent organization. They started in the States. Oh, man, it's almost pushing 40 years ago now when they first launched. But then it was 13 years ago where I was literally just leaving my pastorate. And you've heard some of my story. My wife was dying. We were leaving our pastorate. One of the guys in my church real tech savvy kind of guy he comes up to me and he says, dude, you got to check out this, this I am second.com. These stories, their testimonies, but these stories are just incredible. The production values are unbelievable. 
and um, check this out. And I watched my first I Am Second film while I was still a pastor. And then a couple months later, my world fell apart. I'm now moving across the country. I'm trying to keep my wife alive. We end up stumbling on this farmer. We end up establishing E3 Canada. And then I find out IamSecond.com is just that there's like, People think that with IamSecond.com, the, the videos are so well done. They think, oh, there must be a team of 50 people behind this. No, there's literally like three to four people who run the I Am Second department of E3. And it's it's a guy named John Humphrey. And we got a couple of creative people and videography people. But anyway, I Am Second started 13 years ago. And little did I know that the ministry I was going to launch into Canada, E3, were, were the creators of this awesome thing called IamSecond.com. And so I'm second is uh, it's 13 years in the making now. And we didn't know, like, honestly, we didn't set out to launch E3, uh, sorry, to launch uh, I am second as a viral video ministry. What ended up happening is one of our major donors of our, our work in E3 and church planting, he came to our team and he just felt super compelled of God uh, because there was this verse, John chapter 12, verse 32. And uh, he read this verse and it says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And if you go and look at the context, Jesus is talking about being lifted up on the cross. And of course, he's eventual his death and uh, and then his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. He's talking about being lifted up. Well, this this fellow Norm says to us, it just leapt off the page and said, what if we lift up Jesus in our society today and make him famous, like popularized? How would we do that? And so our E3 team sat down. There was a creative team. They were sitting down. And quite honestly, the backstory is they kind of did this to humor Norm, <laughs> their big donor, because this guy was so revved up about it. He had the vision. Our team didn't yet. They started brainstorming and came up with all these ideas. And uh, somebody literally scribbled down some name suggestions. And one of the scribbled down names was I Am Second. And if you're familiar with I Am Second today as listeners, um, when you look, people will ask, what is that font that you use? And the font is actually the scribbling, the handwriting of somebody who had actually written it on the piece of paper in their brainstorming session. And oh, God that's gave, cool. Yeah. God gave us his name, I Am Second. What's the point? It's, what, what we ended up creating was just really gritty, non-scripted testimonies, stories of, an, a, of a life and then a, and a life change and then where God's taking this person. And so we harness celebrity power. Uh, so we've got like uh, Mike Fisher, a lot of you guys would know him, Carrie Underwood's husband. We've got Brian Head Welch from Corn, mega death kind of rock music. Um, but all of these celebrities are willing to put their story on the line. And they sit in a dark room in a white chair with a simple overhead lighting. And then we just, we ask him a question or two, you know? Um, so who are you? Make some introduction. Um, you know, what, what's what's something that happened in your life? And they start to peel back the layers and they start talking, just like we're talking freely in this podcast. This is totally not scripted. I had no clue we'd be talking about hearing God's voice in this podcast. That was just a thing of the spirit. Same thing happens in our I Am Second stories. And very often people will come into the chair thinking, oh, I'm going to talk about this. And God takes them another direction. And that's why when you watch these I Am Second.com videos, uh, often if you're anything like me, keep the box of Kleenex near. It just rips into your heart and you hear this at the end, this declaration, you know, hey, I'm Jeremy Dorton and I'm second. And what they're not saying, but they've said already in their testimony is I'm second. Why? Because God is first. I place God first in my life. I place others above myself. And so anyway, I am second took off. It was much to our surprise. And um, 
we thought I, I was literally a part of that global development team for a number of years, still am to this day. And, um, you know, we're four or five years in. We're like, well, we're going to ride this wave as long as we can, as long as God allows us. And we are now 13 years in and it's still like a rocket taking off. It's still going higher and higher than we ever expected. We've now produced over 210 uh, short form videos between uh, four and 11 minutes in length. And uh, we are now garnering 40 million new site visitors a year, which is just insane. It's the fastest growing uh, Christian media um, company on the planet right now. It's just wild. And so then millions and millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people will hear this raw, gritty story. They might not hear the full gospel being preached, but they hear this story of a life account. And they say, uh, and this life account also points to Jesus. Right. It might not be preachy, preachy, but they hear this raw, gritty story. Wow. You went through sexual abuse. You went through addictions. Wow. If you beat that. And this is what happens in the listeners minds when they hear our videos. They're like, if you were able to beat that, maybe I can, too. And then they gain a little bit of hope and then they take some next steps and lives are being transformed all over the planet by these videos. We just stick our story out there. And I think that's amazing. Like I think about the verse in Revelation that says, you know, that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. There is, and I've heard so many stories that have empowered me because I can identify with, with what someone's sharing in their story. And so I've always been a firm believer in sharing stories as a way of of reaching people and so this is really cool that that this kind of happened in a way that was kind of unexpected mm-hmm. and but god works in mysterious ways sometimes and and so just as we're as we're wrapping up here and again we i kind of gave jeremy a couple quick points of what i wanted to cover and we went in directions that i was not even fully expecting myself, which is exactly why I love having these conversations. And we're going to have you back. I was just going to say, we need a part two, man. We haven't even scratched the surface. (laughs) There will be a part two. Um, (laughs) And so why don't you tell me a little bit specifically about, because we've talked a bit about the broader ministry, you know, equipping and empowering and all of this. What is it specifically that E3 Canada is focusing on? Like, so maybe where where are you planting churches and kind of what's going on there? You said you have about 30 missionaries. So tell me a little bit more of the specifics of what's going on specifically out of the Canadian ministry. Sure. Well, let me say this to your listeners. If if you have any little desire in your heart, you're like, yes, I want to talk more about Jesus with people around you. Um, that's exactly why we're here. And you can go to our website, e3ministry.ca. Click on the tab that says training and you're going to find an entire training uh, like library that's all there it's all free it's all accessible um we spend a ton of time training that's what we do as as these missionaries those who have felt a call to do this full-time we come to churches um you know we're technically a parachurch organization but i say we're a dia church organization meaning through the local church so we'd come into a church like the way we'll hold a simple evening training we're going to teach you very very simple tools to help you have what we call gospel conversations so that in your going Right. The Great Commission is therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And you're like, gee, I don't know how to make disciples. Well, if you dissect the phrases there, it's like in your going, do these things. And so everywhere you go, 
We want you to be able to drop little seeds of the gospel, talk to people about Jesus, put it in your speech. And so we teach you how to do that. And then if people respond to the gospel and they, they come to faith in Christ, what are you going to do? Bring them back to one of your way churches that are meeting in homes. Bring them to the big gathering in, in grassy, right? And uh, for us, it's all about training and equipping people, getting you out there speaking about Jesus. And we can go with people. We take people to the streets and test this out after all of our trainings. And every time you come back home from one of our trainings and testing it out in the streets, People who were scared out of their mind to share Jesus with anyone. They come back and they're like, oh, my goodness, we had 42 people who said no. Ah, that sucked. And then, but we had, we had 20 people who were yellow light, you know, like a stoplight, yellow light. They were cautious, but they had a conversation with us. And then you come home and you're like, and three people said yes to Jesus. They got saved on the streets. I had no clue that could happen through a simple person like me. That happens every single time we do a training. So we, we equip people. We take them out. We do evangelism together so that you learn how this can happen. And then if there's enough people, we gather them together and establish discovery-based Bible studies in homes, very similar to what you're doing at Way Niagara. And many of those Bible studies, if they're nurtured well, will become churches. So last year alone, um, and not to boast in ourselves or anything, but we established in 90 countries, 89,000 new churches just by coming into their church training them how to do this, going out into the community, telling people about Jesus, and they come to faith. And we gather them together. We established 89,000 churches. How do we know that those churches are real? Well, we don't count the uh, the people who put up their hands and say, yeah, I'm following Jesus. You know, how many of you put up your hand at a youth concert or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I'm following Jesus. And then you never did anything with it for 15 years, right? So we don't count those professions of faith anymore because they're literally in the millions. We only count baptisms. Because if somebody is serious enough about Jesus that they put up their hand and they get discipled and they're ready to get baptized, then they're probably going to follow him for a while. And so last year alone, in the last 12 months, we baptized 576,000 people around the world. And so that those are the big grand slam numbers. But all it takes is somebody like you who's listening saying, yeah, I'll attend one of those trainings and I'll test it out and I'll put it into action in my life. And you start to change Beamsville. You start, you start to change Grimsby. You know, Niagara Falls and your community, right? Jesus talked about it. It's your Jerusalem and then your Judea, your, your Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. All, you, all you're responsible for is where you live, your Jerusalem, your, your place where God put you. Influence your neighbor. Uh, look, if this is all too scary for you as a listener, go check out a video on IamSecond.com and I challenge you. Find a video that touches your heart or that you say, oh man, that would be perfect for my neighbor, John, and share that video with them. Grab the URL, send a text, and then if you're going to be even more bold, have them watch it and then say, hey, let me take you out for lunch or for a coffee or something and have a conversation. Simple little things to help you engage people around you with your faith. I love it. And we're going to have you back, Jeremy, because there's so much to unpack. I want to hear so much more. But that's the great thing about long-term friendship is... You're not going anywhere. Well, you're probably going to country 38 at some point, <laughs> but we are, we're brothers in the faith. I am so yeah. grateful that you are with us. Uh, listeners in the show notes, you are going to find links to IamSecond.com as well as um, E3Ministry.ca because we really do want you to know about what it is that he is doing because there is just powerful work that is going on all over the world. Um 
that in the goal is lifting Jesus high. We're not trying to make a big name for ourselves, but rather to serve the God that saved us. And so, Jeremy, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. And to our listeners, I just want to say, if you want to know anything about what is going on at Way, be sure to go to wayniagara.ca or follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your podcasting platform of choice so you never miss an episode. We will see you next Thursday. Bye for now. <laughs>